Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. We're back. You better believe it. We're back in the bottom of the barrel. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. Your number one place for all things Miami Dolphins. My name is Jake Mendel. That must mean joining me as he does each and every day. We decide to finally record Joshua Hotz. Josh, how was your dentist appointment yesterday? Jake, that game was absolutely brutal. It felt like you were getting your teeth pulled out, and I don't know about you, man, but I do not feel more down and out than I ever had before because today is my daughter's fourth birthday, and they always say time flies. So happy birthday, honey. Daddy's down. Daddy's down bad with this Dolphins team. What'd you get her? Is, is this iPhone year? She, no, not, not quite, <laughs> but she got a giant five-foot-tall uh, Elsa castle that we had to put together so that was fun as always. There's like 100 pieces and all these different things. So she's stoked with that, got a lot of toys, but um i don't know man that sounds like a present for you i know how much you love that movie i I really do love that movie so josh yesterday they just drilled and drilled and drilled until they eventually hit the root and it was even more painful that's kind of what the dolphins game felt like yesterday um and i think my initial reaction to the dolphins losing what 26 11 to the buffalo bills is josh this is how the team should have looked last season I don't know what it is if last year we could call it a fluke or they just didn't have these young team mistakes. But, man, this is a team that's making the errors you expect in the first year of a rebuild, the second year of a rebuild. And I'm not, you know, saying this as an excuse or anything, but when Brian Flores says, like, his team's young and they're still having to make all these different types of mistakes, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And and a stat I want to start with, Josh, before we get into the game, uh, in 2021, right now, they have an average age or the Miami Dolphins have the average age after the 53-man cuts of 25.7, which is actually 14th in the league. That's kind of crazy to think. But in 2020, they were 25 even, second youngest team. And then 2019, 52.2, which is first in the league. And, And Josh, both of those years, we kind of had the excuse of they're young, they're young, they're young. But in order to kind of see all these draft picks develop, I mean, they're going to be young for a couple of years. They are, Jake. And I mean, I don't know if that's why it's so frustrating that you have all these young players. We thought that maybe, you know, this season was going to be that year where they took that next step. And they're just making those rookie mistakes, like you said. One thing I found very interesting is that someone, I can't remember who it was, but they mentioned on Twitter, you know, a lot of people say this is Tua's rookie season, technically. You know, like this, they're looking at this as, you know, maybe his rookie season. So why aren't people viewing this as Brian Flores, you know, second year almost? Because we know what type of shit he walked in in 2019. 
back to the game, Jake, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned your biggest takeaway, but for me, it had to be just how well that defense looked, you know, especially in the first half. I mean, they were getting to Josh Allen. They were forcing him to throw some incompletions. They were doing well against the run. And I mean, the half tied 3-3. I mean, that to me would have been the perfect scenario if we would have talked about that heading into the week, going into halftime tied 3-3. I mean, the Dolphins defense, at least in that first half, looked much more like the team that we thought we'd see this season opposed to, you know, what we saw over those first seven weeks of the season. Josh, the Dolphins blitzed Allen on 65% of dropbacks, and that's something that I don't think Josh Allen has had to deal with a lot lately, and I think that's why Miami was having so much success because you see that you know Byron Jones and Xavier Howard allowed 10 of 16 targets in their area to be completed for passes, Josh, but that was only for an average of 6.4 yards per reception and three first downs. This was a team that was using the screen game quite a bit, but the thing that kind of started to ripple and kind of fall apart in the second half I think we, I go back to the fact that I think the offensive coaching between the Bills and the Dolphins are just on a different level because, you know, I mentioned it. Jones and Howard were targeted 16 times. Uh, but I got to say this too Nick Needham led the team with eight tackles, six of them were solo. And Josh, I want to go through these tackles because, you know, I'm not saying Nick Needham is bad, but when you have Byron Jones and you have he was yesterday, Howard, though, right? He was yesterday. You you attack the weakest link. And as much as I hate to look at this as like Wes Wilker going 99 yards on Jimmy Wilson, but like this is what offenses are supposed to do. You're supposed to kind of form a game plan around attacking the weakest link. Josh, we're going to talk about the offense later, but I mean, the Dolphins kept throwing at Jalen Waddle while he was covered by Tredavious White. I mean, that conversation just shouldn't be had right there. But this is what the Dolphin or the Bills offense did against Dick Needham. Um, his first tackle was after Josh Allen ran 34 yards. I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm just kind of saying how Nick Needham was involved with this game. Uh, he tackled Cole Beasley after 20 yard reception. He tackled Gabe Davis out of bounds after a seven yard gain. Uh, tackled Sweeney. I didn't even write down his first name, that second string tight end there after a six yard gain. And that one actually set up the fourth down sack, Josh. That's why the Dolphins were playing so well in the first half because they needed Nick Needham to make plays. And that's what he did. He had that stop. He let the Dolphins have an opportunity to make a play on fourth down and, and they accomplished that. But you see the final score, Josh, the Dolph- or the Bills were able to score 23 points in the second half. These last four plays involving Nick Needham, Cole Beasley, 15 yard game, Gabe Davis, three yard game. Cole Beasley's 17-yard gain. Cole Beasley, 14-yard gain. That's when the Bills were able to kind of move down the field. They found the matchup they liked, and they attacked it instead of going after Tredavious White time and time again. Yeah, just to bring that back full circle, Jake, I mean, that is what is so frustrating with this coaching staff is the fact that, you know, they come out of the, in the beginning of the game. They have these nice scripted plays. They look pretty good. They go into the half. Sometimes they make adjustments. And in recent weeks, you know, they came out firing on all cylinders. But, um, I mean, Brian DeBole, the Buffalo Bills, I mean, they knew exactly what they needed to do in that second half. And they went out there and did it. And, I mean, I just don't really know why they didn't target Cole Beasley as much in the first half. You know, maybe Nick Needham was playing better. Or, or maybe maybe Allen just wasn't seeing her. Maybe it was some of that pressure. But whatever happened. Happened there in the second half. I mean, uh, you know, it, when Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are allowing 10 to 16 passes caught their way. I, I remember that Stefan Diggs touchdown, man. I mean, that was that was the one that pretty much sealed that it. One was rough, yeah. and, and we're spinning out of control here because we didn't even talk about the cluster F at the beginning of the half. But um, I think it just goes back to the Dolphins are completely out coached. And, um, you know, whether you want to put the blame on Chris Greer, whether you want to point the blame at um, Brian Flores, I mean, there's plenty of fingers to be pointed all around. Well, Josh, I mean, the Byron Jones and Xavier Howard thing, I think you're going to accept an, an occasional catch. But I mean, 10 of 16, if you don't include the 64 yards and only three first downs, I think sounds a lot different. I think what the Bills were trying to do, and the Dolphins played it well, 
uh, was they were trying to establish that run early on. I was kind of shocked how often they were running the ball compared to letting Josh Allen do these different types of screen passes, but it just seemed like they had that sure tackling they're used to in that first half and kept the game in front of them, except, you know, that can only last for so long and offenses, good offenses like the bills are going to work and adjust until they find something that they can do over and over again and move the chains. And if you look at what they did, Jake, Dolphins held them to 102 yards on the ground for 4.4 yards per carry, but they allowed 249 yards through there, which, I mean, when you compare that to the 358 the previous week, I mean, again, yeah. they played the Buffalo Bills pretty well. And I think, you know, that's one thing that Dolphin fans do have to realize. I mean, yes, it's so frustrating that we cannot beat the Bills, but this is a legit Super Bowl contender. I mean, Josh Allen is legit, you know, MVP candidate. So I, I don't know that, you know, we should be too down for this loss, but uh, again, we should because 0 and 6 now against them. Josh Allen's now 7 and 1 lifetime against the Miami Dolphins, and they just have no answer for him. And I think that's what's so frustrating, Jake. I'm going to throw it out there because. I mean, it was kind of the play that, you know, at that point, it was just, okay, everything from here is going to be completely downhill. That Mike is sicky. The miscommunication before the half, Jake, I mean, tell me what your thoughts were going through that. And then I'll throw out the quote from Tua because there was definitely something wrong there before the half. Josh, this is a play that got my hamster wheel going about the age of the Miami Dolphins. And you have someone like Mike is out there being your vocal leader um, and which is perfectly fine. But I mean, when you have uh, like a young quarterback, you expect, you know, someone on the offensive line, not named Jesse Davis, he doesn't count as one of those older guys who can kind of keep things under control. This seems like one of those plays, Josh, when you're watching a cartoon and someone's driving an airplane and they press the big red eject button and then they just fly safely to the ground. I thought that's what Tua was going to do on this play because it looked like a mess. I thought he'd just, you know, call a timeout, do whatever, because things were falling apart. You saw that the offensive line, uh, they expected the play to, you know, happen. You know, they didn't see all the miscommunications. It was loud in Buffalo. It sounds like I'm making excuses, Josh, but this is what happens when you have a young team. Everyone's so caught up in the moment. They don't try to stop the moment from even happening. Exactly. I mean, last year they didn't have the same type of fans out there. So, you know, maybe they weren't, maybe truly wasn't ready for all that crowd noise up there That's in Buffalo, but you know, maybe we're just sitting here making excuses. I do have to throw out the quote from two because he was asked about, it. he said, yeah, like I said, just miscommunication. We were supposed to get guys set, but obviously just the miscommunication of this is what I heard. This is what I heard from me. And I've got to do a better job communicating that out to our tight ends so that they can communicate it out to the receivers and so forth. So clearly, you know, whether it was in the huddle and, and Tua just wasn't clear on the play call, Mike Kosicki obviously heard something different. So obviously, you know, he's going out there. He sees a completely different alignment than what he heard in his head. He's going to start, you know, sh shuffling people back and forth. But um, to your point, the Dolphins absolutely should have called a timeout there. I think Brian Flores, the uh, announcers even mentioned, you know, he was thinking about it. He had his hands, you know, ready right next to the ref. He waved him off too, I yeah, think. Did, did he? And then, you know, even more frustrating was the fact that the ball was snapped. I think there was still four seconds on the play clock. You know, the right guard's job is to tap the, the center on the ass to let him know to snap that thing. And he did do that as Mike Kosicki was coming in motion. But, you know, just that play in, in general, Jake, I don't know about you, but that just sums up what life as a Dolphins fan's like right there in that play. It's the Brandon Fields snap right into his face mask. I mean, we, we don't have worse. a butt they fumble, driving, but we man. have... Like they were driving. They could have. They were ready to score there. And then you go into the half. You know, maybe ten three. And again, we might be looking at this thing completely different. Yeah, and and again, I think the biggest gripe I have is letting something like that even happen. I, I'm sure two is panicking as is trying to identify linebackers. You throw this in it again. I think he's just trying to ingest everything. Doesn't realize that the snap is still coming based on. I think he was clapping right before that too, which I think is the indication there. Uh, but yeah, Josh, a really frustrating play. I I wish you. I wish this team had more older players so I could kind of see how much coaching is really involved here because something about 26 year old Mike Gesicki being the guy to get everyone aligned doesn't seem like 
uh, you know, a way to win football games. I'm just saying this team has never had that success on the offensive end where, you know, you can trust someone like Kasiki to be confident that we know what we're supposed to do. I mean, he's going to be a great, he's a great tight end. Uh, I hope the Dolphins keep him around, but I mean, there's just no, you know, veteran, like a, some sort of Frank Gore. I don't even know that's out there that can say, Hey, we need to call a timeout or, Hey, we all need to chill out for a second because we're about to hike the ball into Mike Kosicki's leg. And isn't it so fitting that the Dolphins, you know, with three offensive coordinators, now you got two guys in the huddle, you know, calling out different plays or, you know, trying to get guys aligned. But um, I, there's definitely there was definitely something there because it wasn't just this play. I mean, this was the one that kind of, you know, was the shit show, as I called it. And everything kind of unfolded right. after that. They were there was miscommunication all day long. And when you're up there in Buffalo, again, playing a Super Bowl contender, it's, it's just not going to work out in your favor. Yeah, Josh, this is the second time in Brian Flores' tenure in the Miami Dolphins that the team has started one in seven. And how frustrating that is, I do kind of want to start comparing this team moving forward to that 2019 bunch. So that means at some point, the Dolphins are facing the Houston Texans and New York Jets soon. They're going to go on a winning streak. And I think that's kind of where the season's going to end up. And we kind of got to go into next season thinking it's the this is the year again, you know, we're that stupid bunch again saying that next year's our year. But I think that's kind of how we have to accept things because I think Flores said just every week it's something else. And I mean, it, nothing could be truer except the fact that every week, Josh, I think I didn't even write this down, but before we get into the offense, this is the team we saw in 2019, except the special teams is maybe one of the worst units in football. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back. Jason Sanders missed that field goal. Don't have it written down how long it was, but I remember the announcer saying this was basically an extra point. He shanked that. And I mean, there's three points right there, but he's just, um, you know, before he was so reliable, every time he'd kick a field goal, I'd have the money sign as his name. I mean, now it's mm-hmm. just Jason Shankster, Shankster. That didn't work. But um, and Mike nice. Pilardi, I mean, every chance we get to drag him through the mud when we saw the apple of our eye, you know, with Matt Hawk there yesterday afternoon. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of a difference there. So overall, Jake, I mean, the special teams and then even the return game. I mean, we were the first that wanted to send Jakeem Grant to the moon. But I mean, I the return game's not the same as it was when he was around. So uh, lots of issues in Miami. And like Brian Flores said, you know, one week it's the offense, one week it's the defense, one week it's special teams. But every week, you know, they seem to be still have the same costly penalties, the same drive killers. Yep. And um, I don't know what happened at TNT wall. I don't I don't know what happened down there in Miami. And um, I, I just hope he can turn it around, Jake. You mentioned that this is a lot like the 2019 team. I mean, uh, we, we saw them rattle off a few wins. And I, I don't know about you, but moving forward, besides trying to see some of these young players develop, you know, a Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, who looked good on Sunday, besides trying to see some of those guys develop, I don't know about you, but I want to see him start winning games because in years past, I'd be more than yeah, happy. That I, yeah, I'd be more well in years past. I mean, I'd be more than happy to sit there and watch them lose. Hope this whole thing, you know, just spirals out of control and they nuke everything. But now, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have our first round draft pick. You can't even root for yep. that anymore. So, Bad times for Dolphin fans. So, yeah, Josh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about it. I think the thing that everybody's talking about it, and that's Miami's offense. The trade deadline's tomorrow. We don't have to get into that. We might do a show tomorrow. Uh, Probably a pretty good chance we're going to do a show. But, Josh, to kind of be a broken record here, I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, you saw the Bills' offense find those weak links and try to attack those weak links, those matchups that they have in their favor. The Dolphins couldn't do that, and it's kind of a weird situation where they couldn't avoid their big players on defense, and it starts with the fact that Jalen Waddle caught four of 12 targets that came his way. Uh, this kind of goes back to what we were saying, that I, I think Waddle's going to be a great receiver, but 
it was obvious the Dolphins needed someone. You know, I thought Devontae Parker was this guy, but I don't know if he ran out of gas after his stellar first half or what. But just someone like a plays breaking down, you know, you can, uh, you know, heave a ball up there. The receiver is going to be in the right place to at least try to bring something in. The Dolphins try to do that time and time again, um, especially when you consider Jerry Hughes and Gregory Rousseau combined for 10 pressures. Tua was getting rid of the ball as, as fast as he could. And I'm not trying to say he had a good game and his receivers were catching balls because that definitely wasn't it. But in terms of having a receiver make a play and, and kind of help everyone out, the Dolphins were looking for Jalen Waddle to do that. And, and he simply couldn't yesterday. No, and I, I saw someone mention, you know, he's almost like the security blanket. You know, he keeps running all them underneath routes. You know, he's sitting underneath and he's almost like that check down guy for Tua. And that's not what you want. Um, you mentioned the pressures. Mike Renner of PFF said Tua Tungvaloa's pressure on 16 of his 28 non-quick game slash RPO dropbacks yesterday. He then went on to say, you know, the offensive line has been a complete disaster. I think Jesse Davis graded out with like a 29.2 or something. So you know, take those with a grain of salt. But I do, I do think Austin Jackson played much better. He, you have written down here, didn't allow pressure, didn't lose a single one of his 43 reps, according to PFF. And uh, Liam Eikenberg and Jesse Davis are a uh, turnstile left tackle and right tackle, 11 pressures and two sacks. And I, I don't know how you feel, Jake, but, you know, a couple podcasts ago, we we all wanted I, – I know I did. I wanted him to move out there and play left tackle. But, um, you know, you see him getting beat, and I just don't know at this point, you know, what's – what is the positives of this offensive line? You know, you can't really look at Austin Jackson. We said the center position's good, but are, are there Robert Hunt? I mean, other than Robert Hunt, who else on this offensive line truly gets you excited, you know, for the future? Robert Hunt even had a huge whiff yesterday. That that was kind of bad. I It might actually go to Eichenberg. I don't know. There's, I think they said that was the only pressure allowed of the whole day in pass pro. So, um, again, there's positives right. not, there, not but terrible. I don't know. Yeah, and so I think, too, I... I don't want to, I, I feel like I'm trying to lighten the blow here, but to kind of think of this like 2020, Josh, if this was uh, in, in 2020, the team was supposed to go, you know, let's say what five and 11, let's say with the roster they had and they just outkicked their coverage so well, we'd be celebrating this performance from Austin Jackson, which I laughing at the fact I'm saying that, but I mean, those are kind of the positives we're looking for at this point. Maybe Austin Jackson could become a guard now that he's figuring things out. Jesse Davis, we know he's going to get beat. But, Josh, the thing that concerns me about Liam Eikenberg is he's taking his uh, lumps. Yes, he's getting beat. Yes, he's a second-round pick who's been thrown into left tackle and played some right tackle, which I'm sure that helped his development jumping all around. Uh, but it's the penalties, right? Those are the things that no matter where you are, that that's something you can get rid of no matter how good your opponent is. And that's another big difference from a year ago where the Dolphins continuously shoot themselves in their foot. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And Jake, it all goes back to, you know, coaching. And for me, you know, promoting Lemuel Jean-Pierre, you know, internally, that might have been the wrong move from offensive line because, I mean, all the promise we saw last year with some of these guys, I mean, they've completely taken a step back and they are easily among one of the worst units in football. Just to throw Tua Tungvalo out there, Jake, I mean, it's hard not to do a podcast without talking about him. I mean, it's hard to sign on on Twitter without, you know, reading about him. Completed 21 of 39 passes for 205 yards, 5.3 yards per, per reception, one interception. He did have that one touchdown run. Jake, I don't know about you, but I mean, you see the limitations in his arm strength, which I think we all knew he had when we when he was drafted. Um, I guess you just want to see this offense open up more and allow him to take better chances downfield. I think he had that 40 plus yard completion to Mike Kosicki, and they said that was actually his longest completion of his career. And that to me was like, wow, man, that, that, that was staggering to hear that. Because when you see what Tua Tungvaloa did in college, how it successfully was with that deep ball, you drafted Jalen Waddle because he had chemistry. You drafted Jalen Waddle to take the top off defenses. To know that Mike Isicki in week eight just had to his longest reception in his career. That's crazy to me. And Josh, you know, you, you wonder if the pressures has anything to do with that, but you'd like to see him get some opportunities to uh, let it go. I'm not going to defend him. Yesterday was, was a poor showing from him too. I mean, if you go a game without throwing a single touchdown pass, but it goes back to, I'd like to see them put uh, the team, the offense specifically in better situations, better situational football. Uh, before I really start to dig in, I, I mean, Bad performance in Buffalo. We'll, we'll chalk it up as an L for Tua. Um, there's still a lot of question marks there. You you have those concerns. But, I mean, when Jalen Waddle has half your incompletions on a day, I, I think there's a couple concerns about the offense that need to be straightened up. And, and he's included on that, whether it's finding a new safety blanket or what, uh, whatever it was, it just wasn't working yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, we can't talk about the offense and how dismal they've been without talking about the the offensive play calling. I mean, you see it, Jake. There's some routes where you just see two or three guys clustered around the football, you know, and you don't even know who the intended target is. So I I don't know what it is, but it's clearly coaching. It's clearly a little bit of everything, you know, the offensive line allowing those pressures to maybe just not seeing things correctly pre-snap and let Tua play this season. Let's see what we have in him. And then if you want to decide to move on or if you decide, you know, trade him elsewhere, everyone, I don't know if you see it, everyone wants the Dolphins to trade him to New Orleans now that Jameis Winston got hurt. Everyone's on Twitter, all the Tua fans, you know, if he goes there, he would be the Drew Brees that we all expected. Yeah, Josh, and the situation I go back to is where the Dolphins missed that field goal early. Uh, they ran it on three straight plays before that. And it's just one of those situations where I'd like to see Tua get Power, the ball in yeah. his hands at two or three of those plays, just because you want to see him try to be the guy. I mean, I'm, if he fails, I have no problem coming on here and saying, who are we drafting? How are we trading fair and Rogers? But I mean, I'd like to see that opportunity play out instead of the, you know, the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. Uh, and I think that's the thing that's been annoying about these last couple of weeks is, you know, he has not played great, but give him the opportunity to try to fix those errors because that just isn't how it's been recently. And, and Josh, let's wrap it up here. Let, let's talk a little bit about critical penalties and bad spots. And the one that stuck out to me, uh, we talked about the defense played pretty well overall, but Andrew Van Ginkle on a second string tight end on third and five from Miami's eleven. This was a straight-up 50-50 play, Josh. Uh, You're blitzing everybody. You're hoping that Josh Allen doesn't see the one guy that's open or throws it up high enough where he can get to the guy. And, hell, he might have done that, but when someone like Andrew Van Ginkle just pulls him to the ground, I mean, that 50-50 ball is now a 100-0 to ball, and I don't like those chances. 
You don't, you don't like those odds. Those <laughs> odds don't sound good at all, Jake. I'm no mathematician, but that does not sound good at all. But it's I mean, head. it goes back to just, you know, again, last year, they were one of the least penalized teams. And, you know, it showed they were one of the best teams at taking the football away. And it showed this year they're not getting any of that. The calls, you know, uh, you have written down here. There were nine penalties in total for 58 yards compared to the nine for 80 that Buffalo had. On Miami's second drive after the missed field goal, Rob Hunt's false start on the first play. Dolphins got the first down due to a big, big play from Parker. And I think that was that throw on the side. You know, uh, I don't want to say it was an effort. DVP's down there somewhere, but it kind of looked like that's what two was thinking. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to spin too far out of these penalties, Jake, but do you think Devontae Parker came, you know, he wanted to play in this game because there are trade rumors surrounding him and he wanted to go out there and, you know, show that he was healthy and maybe put on a show for his next team? Josh, that's kind of the big question, especially when you look at how the team viewed this team at the beginning of the year, right? You're paying Xavier Howard a little extra money for this year. Uh, you're actually playing for this year with a lot of what the Miami Dolphins were doing. Now that that, that now that that perspective has changed, you have to wonder if Park will be on the move. I mean, that deal he's on, man, if he can pull off another fully healthy year like 2019, whoever, whatever team he's traded to, it's going to be viewed as one of the biggest heists if he can stay healthy. And and that's a good point. I didn't really think too much about that, but you're right. His name has been starting to pop up a little bit and, you know, he didn't really do too much in the second half. So maybe they showcase him in the first and like, all right, let's, let's let him be in bubble wrap for a little while here and move on. Yeah, or that might go back to the coaching that we say. You know, they made the adjustment at half. Okay, Devontae Parker's Moss and everybody. Let's actually put somebody on. Let's and, throw it and to the covered sure, wall. Yeah, let's make sure this doesn't happen and keep everything in front. I think, you know, not to go back to the offense and just how dismal it was, but I think that was, was so frustrating. You know, Buffalo let everything just play in front of them. Let them get them five to ten yard checkdowns. And we can't even talk about uh, trade rumors, Jake. I don't know if you saw Peter. We can't even talk about trade rumors, Jake, without bringing up Xavier Howard. I know Peter King, I woke up this morning, mentioned his name's also being thrown out there. So, whether it's Devontae Parker, whether it's Xavier Howard. I mean, we got 24 hours, I think, until the trade deadline. Something could happen, but what's Chris? I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Chris Greer with those draft picks because we've already seen what he can do. Yeah, Josh, and that's really the key here is that if the Dolphins are going to make these big moves where they're you know, requiring picks, I, I don't think I want the guys in charge using those picks. In theory, Josh, I'm getting a little concerned that I don't want these guys making any sort of division. Uh, in theory, Josh, I don't think I want any of these guys making decisions for the team based on how things have shaken out lately. Uh, but it does kind of seem like we're floating towards that uh, one more year to prove it. And I think, Josh, when it really we really get down to the nitty gritty of this team, I don't know if we need to talk to someone inside the Dolphins organization or what, but we got to see if that Joe Philbin shield is like sitting in a desk somewhere or something. I mean, that's the only way this team is, is still haunted looking like that. 2013 2014 team that just kind of struggled to do the little things right it's got to be the burial ground that they they built a stadium on and all the bad stuff that came with that I mean it's just it's just feels like we're honestly cursed Jake and you know we hope we can turn it around next week I don't know if you saw but the Dolphins are opening as seven point favorites against uh the Houston Texans which I know Uh we're all shocked by but I mean that's that's how down and out we are that um, you know, we're looking at the Houston Texans one and seven and saying, OK, now this is our chance to get right. But, you know, we joked about There's it for no getting weeks. right. We're yeah. stuck. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, we joked that we were I said we were going to rattle off a win this week and, you know, somehow spin into the playoffs. But that's clearly not going to happen. And if they cannot <laughs> beat the Houston Texans next week, I mean, that might be rock bottom as a Dolphins fan. And uh, I don't know where you can go from there. The Jags loss was hard, and I thought that was kind of it. Like, all right, it's like after a fight, you know, someone's punched you in the face when your head's on the ground for like 10 minutes. And they're like, all right, Jacksonville, we'll, we'll take you, we'll pick you up. Just kidding. Here are the Texans to punch you in the face 15 more times now that you're standing up. I, I thought once the fight was over, the fight was over. 
there's no fight. The Dolphins have no fight in them, and that's why I think we're all so down down right now because uh, you said it. Stone Cold Brian Flores was my thing. I was like, oh, yeah, this dude, I'd go to war for him, see him getting ready to kick players' asses on the sideline. Now he just looks like a lifeless Adam Gase. Grandma yelling at the, on the sidelines. Uh, Josh, to kind of wrap up with the penalties here, um, that drive after the missed field goal, I mean, that's when your team's like, all right, we were able to move down the field. The field goal didn't happen, whatever. Brian Flores took the ball out of two of his hands on three straight plays to set up the field goal, whatever. But you mentioned that Rob Hunt ball start. Then you get the big play from Devontae Parker. You get one of your playmakers to make a play. That's followed by a Salvan Ahmed run for minus three yards. So now you're stuck in second and 13 and you throw your incomplete to Waddle because that's part of the game script yesterday. Um, that play was saved by the Bills and an illegal use of hands call. Uh, Parker, another 15 yards. And Josh, the Dolphins are moving the ball. It's still three. It, I think it's three nothing at that time, but they have to be feeling good. They're, they're moving the ball pretty well. It looks like this is going to be a competitive match. And then, you know, the Eichenberg falls start. You have first and 15. Now you're throwing to Isaiah Ford. When you're throwing to Isaiah Ford, Josh. Don't you do it. <laughs> I'm saying he's not Devontae Parker. He's not going to get the ball in his hands. It's not someone you want to heave the ball to on first and 15 to get all 15. If he was going for four, five, sure. I'd be like, yeah, let's go Isaiah Ford. I think when you look at Isaiah Ford, you need to look at his last name. There's four letters in it. He can only catch anything within four yards. And we'll, we'll be happy with that. And we'll move on to the next play. But then you go to second and 15 now all of a sudden. That's where the sack comes in because now the Bills defense can pin their ears back and then Ed Oliver forces a pressure to end the drive. It's just, Josh, those little things where, you know, you expect pre-snap this team in their third year together to really understand how to do these things. And that's kind of why we have to keep coaching on the hot seat here is what are you doing during the week? If these are the situations where you're putting your offense in a negative game script so quickly and not playing with a negative game script in terms of, let's take a chance down the field. Let's try to huck it. We're going to try to run for three yards instead of miles gasket. And maybe that should have been the red flag. Wasn't it a couple of weeks ago when Jacoby Brissett was out there or something, uh, I believe floors in his presser, you know, said that he was just trying to have a methodical offense or something when they were settling for that field goal um, a few weeks yep. back. So, I, I don't know what it's it very is. Very methodical. Uh, yeah, very, very methodical. Uh, I don't know what it is, Jake. You mentioned Salvin Ahmed, and that has to, I have to bring up the fact that Jordan Howard had two touchdowns for the Eagles. I mean, is that not just I hate so, everything? Is that not just so Dolphins? I mean, you got Charles Harris having like getting sacks in Detroit. Now you got Jordan Howard somehow becoming this goal line back and doing the things that the Dolphins signed him to do last year and now they need him to do this year. I mean, it's so Dolphins, and I just hope, you know, somehow they can pick themselves back up from this and bring us hope because again, coming into this year, I felt like this was one of the better seasons that we were, you know, destined to have. I felt yeah. like we had the best chance to um, build on that 10 win season. Before we wrap it up, Jake, and you mentioned a little bit, trade deadline tomorrow. We'll probably do a podcast one way or the other. I got to ask you your thoughts. You know, is a trade going to happen? Are the Dolphins now desperate? And, you know, Chris Greer saying, YOLO, I might not be here down the road. I'm going to trade all my draft picks. Look at what the LA Rams are doing. Let's go get Deshaun Watson. Hope that he can somehow turn this offense around. Josh, it's one o'clock now, so that means we're going to have a very, very scary 27 hours, despite the fact that Halloween is already over. Man, I really don't know, because I think the only times we've seen Chris Greer make a move to advance the team anyway, it was to trade up for Waddle, and it was to trade up for Liam Eikenberg. And the way those picks are playing out right now, or how they're being used, excuse me, not Liam Eikenberg. Hunter Long, and that actually makes it sound so much worse. So I should have just Oof. gave Chris Greer yeah. that win. But 
But no, man, I just don't want him making decisions, especially midseason when the house is on fire, when he couldn't make decisions when he had a nice organized file cabinet and a nice organized computer. So when everything's burning, I don't expect it to be much better. Yeah, desperate men make desperate decisions, right? So I, I don't know. Anything could happen. Um, I guess I don't know if you saw, Jake, but the most recent news on the whole subject was that the Dolphins and Texans were so close to a deal, but then they found out that Watson might settle his 22 cases before the deadline, and now they were asking for more. I think that came out last night from Florio, a pro football talk. So take everything you hear over the next 27 hours with a grain of salt. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, if they are going to make a trade like this, again, all the st- all the legal stuff aside, I mean, we, we can't even touch on that. If they are going to make this trade, Jake, would it c- not come after maybe trading Xavier Howard or maybe trading one of these other guys? You know, maybe they even package Xavier Howard at Houston. I don't know, but it, I just cannot wait for this entire thing to end. But, um, you know, if it does without a deal in place, this is just going to hang over this franchise for how many months? And again, I still think that part of this is why this Dolphins team is playing as poorly as they are. Maybe they don't have the trust in the coaching staff that they did before because they, they let this thing hang over since January. Yeah, Josh, and and I'm not going to compare it, but you saw what dealing with controversy did for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for that week, right? And and then all of a sudden Gruden's out the door and they're playing pretty good football again. Uh, So all that stuff, Josh, it has to play some sort of role, but we're going to leave it at that for now. Uh, I think we're going to try to be back tomorrow, talk about that trade deadline a little bit. It seems like, Josh, compared to other sports, the NFL trade deadline is basically off-season podcast where we just talk a whole hell of a lot about nothing in hopes of something good happening, uh, Madden trades and all that jazz. But in reality, I mean, most of the time, it seems like NFL teams, obviously I'm saying this right after Von Miller was drafted, aren't as comfortable trading midseason. You're, you're right, Jake. And I, I don't, I wouldn't want to say blue balls, but they kind of do, you know, they get, you know, they, they think you're going to have all point, these, yeah. all these trades are going to happen. And this name's on the block and this guy and, Teams are interested in him, and then you know, four o'clock comes and nothing happens except, like you said, Von Miller today traded. So, uh, 27 hours, and it'll all be over. We hope you will hear Josh's initial 4 p.m. reaction to the trade, trade deadline and everything that happens before it at HOUTZ on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. I can be found at jmendel94. Josh. The state tournaments are happening for uh, Massachusetts and it we're off to a good start because today the seedings were supposed to be released and the website was hacked. Some dude was trying to, I don't know if they're trying to get them him to pay money to be their virus protection, but it was hacked. It just said pwned across the screen and told everyone <laughs> to follow a Twitter account. So that's how my week's starting. I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins were hacked. My weekend was hacked. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining. We'll talk to you next time. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're
Seattle Cause we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Yes, we're the